so glad that you are here today to worship. Uh, man, I can tell you this, it is so special to be a part of one church in multiple locations. I uh, want to welcome those that are with us in Princeton at the Showplace Cinema or those at our location in Vincennes, or maybe you're joining us online or maybe right here in Washington. I'm so glad that you are here. You know, if uh, something that I feel like I have been taught over the last few years as we become one church, as I mentioned in multiple locations, is it's so powerful to be reminded that the church is far greater than a location. It's far greater than one pastor. It's far greater than uh, a city or a town. The church is just simply a group of God's people that are made up together uh, sent out for the same purpose, that they love the Lord and that, they, that he is the Lord of their life. Man, I, I'm so thankful for what God is doing in and through this place. If you've been with us over the last two weeks, um, you know one thing, you know we've been in a, a series called At the Movies. And as a part of that series, we've been looking at popular movies um, and then we've been pulling out some faith elements that can be found in those, in those movies. You know, my wife and I, we have, uh, we have four children. Uh, they're all under the age of nine. This is my crew up here on the, the screen. And uh, our house is uh, busy, to say the least, with four under the age of nine. Um, and uh, we, we've kind of made it a loose tradition of ours uh, that if there's no plans on Friday nights, that we do pizza and movie night. And pizza and movie night uh, means that uh, we get homemade pizza made by my wife. Um, we get to pick our own toppings on the pizza. And then we uh, lay out a, a blank blanket on the uh, living room floor and we sit down and we'll take in a movie. Now, as I mentioned, having four kids under the age of nine means that uh, typically our streaming service of choice is Disney, all right? Uh, and so what the years of icy princesses and talking sporks and uh, cars that are looking to win the Piston Cup have taught me is this, that children's movies are often packed with all kinds of life lessons and there's some things that can relate right back to God's word. You know, in the gospel of Luke, in Luke 18, Jesus is kind of doing his own little at the movies series. Um, Jesus would use these things called parables, they were stories, right? And he would share those stories and uh, then he would tie them to a lesson that could be learned from the story. So Jesus is teaching and he's sharing some parables and this situation happens. And the, these children are brought to Jesus. Luke chapter 18, verse 5 says this. Now, some people brought their little children for Jesus to bless. But when his disciples saw them doing this, they told the people to stop bothering him. These people are just bringing their kids to Jesus because they want their, their children to, to be blessed. Maybe, maybe they're sick and he want, they want them to be healed. Maybe, maybe they're, they're there and they're, they're, they want to be blessed by his teaching. Uh, in, in any case, here they are bringing their kids to Jesus and his disciples are like, gosh, you guys got to stop this. You're just being a distraction. We got to get these kids away. Actually, one of the, the translations of scripture says it like this, that he uh, he re, that the, the disciples rebuked the parents, that they had this disdain in their hearts, this frustration. Why are you bothering Jesus with your kids? But listen to Christ's response. Luke chapter 18, verse 16 says this. So Jesus called the children over to him and he said, let the little children come to me. Don't try to stop them. People who are like these children belong to God's kingdom. You will never get into God's kingdom unless you enter it like a child. 
You know, in ancient times, uh, a child had little to no status. Um, they they were, weren't seen as significant. But that was different in God's eyes. God saw children to have great significance and great purpose. And the response of Jesus here certainly shows us, shows us that. There's a lot to be learned from children. You know, last week I celebrated my nine-year-old's birthday and uh, we were actually coming home from a, a church activity. It was just her and I in the car. It was the day before her birthday. And I told her, I said, Eliana, I said, it's hard to believe. Nine years ago, you were getting ready to be born. Your mom and I had just headed to the hospital. We were in the hospital. And then I said this, I said, and I was afraid. I was scared. And she looked over at me and kind of, and she said, dad, why were you scared? Why were you afraid? And I said, because I'd never been a dad before. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be scared? Like I'd never been entrusted with a baby. Like some of you know this experience, right? The first child you have and they're you like, the first two days are great because there's a bunch of nurses taking care and helping you. And then they're like, all right, take them home, get them out of here, right? And there's that, that feeling of like, what? I got, I got to keep this child alive. I got to care for it and feed it and, and make sure it has everything it needs. And I said, I, I'd never done that to her. But you know, when a child is born, it just inherently trusts the parent, right? I mean, a child doesn't choose. Right? A baby doesn't choose to trust you. It just trusts you that you're going you're gonna to feed it. You're going to care for it. You're going to clean up after its, its messes. And Jesus says that anyone who receives the kingdom like this will be in the kingdom of heaven, right? That, that, that they have just a, a trust of God, a trust of Jesus that he will feed them, it'll care for them, and they'll clean up their mess. Just so happens that our mess is sin. And there's a lot to be learned from children. And so that's why today I decided to look at a children's movie. It's a Disney movie, Disney and Pixar. It's called Up. It's about a balloon salesman named Carl Fredrickson. And Carl had made a promise to his wife, Ellie, to go on this grand adventure to Paradise Falls. And Ellie passes away and Carl is just bent on getting to Paradise Falls. He has to make sure that this can happen. And so he ties thousands of balloons to his house to float it away. However, he doesn't realize his worst nightmare, a little boy by the name of Russell, has stowed away in the house. And the two go on a grand adventure as they find themselves in the wilds of South America. And there's a lot to be learned from their story. You know, Disney uh, packs a whole slew of emotions into a very short scene. I think we can all relate to these types of emotions that we live in a world, don't we, full of ups and downs, full of highs and lows, full of great victories and hard, hard defeats. You've been there before, right? You, you've experienced the, the joy of finding the love of your life and then getting married and then maybe working to get that, that house of your dreams or to fix up the old fixer-upper. Then the excitement and anticipation of having a child. And maybe you've experienced the heartache of losing one of those children. You, you've regained um, some hope and you, you've built uh, a plan and you set out for things and then you've experienced the crush of what, you know how it is, life brings at you when uh, you, you thought you were going to do this and then something else happens that takes priority over that. 
You've experienced a tremendous amount of love in this life and joy in this life, but you've also experienced the, probably the hardest and most difficult consequence that we face, right? Death, physical death and the loss of a loved one. We've all gone through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the valleys of, of darkness so in this life often just feel to overwhelm us. Think about it. Life or death, health or illness, joy or depression, marriage or divorce, wealth or financial difficulty, friendship or loneliness. In a world of ups and downs, how do we do it? Right, the question isn't, are there going to be difficulties? The question is, how do we get through those difficulties? How do we come through those moments? Listen to what John 16, verse 33 says. Now, these are Jesus' words right here. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, I have told you this so that you may have peace in your hearts because of me. While you are in the world, you will have to suffer but cheer up, I have defeated the world. So how do you live in a world full of ups and downs? You realize that Jesus is over everything. Of all people that had experienced the ups and the downs of life, there could have been no greater than maybe the apostle Paul. I mean, Paul had seen it all. He had seen the miracle working power of Jesus in his life when he had his vision taken from him only to have it regained and he was set on purpose to do some amazing work for the kingdom of God. But along the way, he experienced some tremendous difficulty. I mean, the guy had been persecuted multiple times, run out of town, beaten. He had been shipwrecked. He had gone through it. And in 2 Corinthians, he writes this letter to a church of his that, that he cared for and loved. Um, and, and he just lays out kind of this, this world of ups and downs for us. If you would, open up to 2 Corinthians. It's on page 935. I want to encourage you, get out your device or grab the Bible that is in front of you right now and open up to that, that, that passage. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians throughout our time today. And so we're going to turn back and forth. So just put a finger in it, put a note on it, keep your phone open as we look through 2 Corinthians. We're going to start, though, in chapter 6, which is just the three pages over from the beginning of this book. It says this in chapter 6, verse 3. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings and imprisonments, in riots and hard work, sleepless nights and hungry, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left." Through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul knew. Paul knew a world full of joy and full of pain. But in a world of ups and downs, Jesus is over everything. You know, Carl Fredrickson was amidst, it was in a season of the valley of darkness. He was in a dark place. 
You know, I find that oftentimes when we're in dark places, God works in this way. You know, in a world that is out to uh, help themselves, we need to be a people that are out to help others. And uh, Russell's a, a persistent little fella, isn't he? Um, and uh, that persistence, uh, it, it pays off in one way or another. Um, man, he wants to help Carl, or as he calls him, Mr. Fredrickson, um, so he can get his, his wilderness badge. And uh, man, uh, it, the, 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 the scene that kind of unfolds in this story is, is very interesting because what comes out of this is really a mutually beneficial relationship between these two. You know, the relationship kind of reminds me of that of Paul with that church in Corinth. Now, Paul was a traveling missionary, so he would have gone from town to town, he would have told the good news there, and then he would have tried to help to establish a church, and then he would have moved on to the next place. And so around AD 50, Paul had come to Corinth, um, he had told them the good news, he had established this church, and then he heads off to the next place. That's Ephesus that we, we, we believe from all accounts that he went to Ephesus there after that. And so what's recorded for us as First and Second Corinthians in our Bibles today were actually letters written from the Apostle Paul to this church in Corinth. Now, uh, many of us need, probably don't know the backstory of Second Corinthians. So let, let me give you just a, a little bit of insight to the backstory. Uh, the church at Corinth had begun to fall back into their kind of worldly ways, which I go, isn't that a struggle of all of ours? And uh, not only that, but they're beginning to question the affection of uh, the apostle Paul for them. They're actually, some of them are beginning to question if he's truly an apostle. Um, and, and Paul well, Paul is a lot like Russell. He's pretty persistent. And he wants them to know just how to, to bear along with life's ups and downs. First, or Second Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3 right now. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in a any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, that through life's ups and downs that God is looking to comfort us and then we are called to comfort others, to bear with one another in their difficulty. And Paul is persistent with this message. Paul wants them to know this. And it, it kind of just is laced throughout the entire book of 2 Corinthians. It goes on in chapter 5, starting in verse 17, by saying this. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, that we are called as followers of Christ to be imitators of Christ and to be what? To be persistent with the message of Christ, to be the one that say, no, wait, wait up. I got I to gotta tell you, I've got to tell you about how I walk through this life and how I trust who Jesus is. Russell's persistence uh, pays off and has helped to, uh, to, to Mr. Fredrickson. It, it leads him on this grand and crazy adventure as they go off uh, to South America. And along the way, 
I'll be honest, uh, Carl, Mr. Fredericton, he, he's like, he's not the, the nicest of guys. He's only out for himself. He's constantly thinking, I gotta, I gotta get to this place. I gotta go to this lo- location. I gotta get the house to, to Paradise Falls. He's all about himself. You know, I think uh, sometimes uh, we're just like that. Carl was, was so concerned uh, with, with what? The destination that he forgot. It really wasn't about the destination to his wife, Ellie. It was about the journey. The adventure of a lifetime wasn't getting there. It was, it was the things that they experienced along the way. Man, I, I think sometimes as Christians, as followers of Christ, when we are in this life, we have this idea, we have this expectation, we have this desire that all we are doing is what? We're looking forward to, to the day where, where we can be in heaven, right? You know, I, I, this may sound weird as a pastor to say this, but I, I, I hate it when people say, are, are you saved? I ask that question, are you saved? Because I believe at the root of that question is the wrong mentality. I don't think the heart of the gospel is at that message. Look, the gospel message is simply this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whomever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. Note it, it did not say, for God so loved you that if you would believe, you'll go to heaven. That's not what it says. You know, if, if, if our, our place, the place becomes more important than the people or the, the saving becomes more important than the savior, something's, something's off. It's not so much about the destination as it is about the journey. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 now. We're going to start in verse 7. It says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, ups and downs, right? We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. You see, Paul had his priorities straight. Jesus, others, and then a journey. It's a paradigm-shifting mentality that has to happen in our lives to realize that eternal life doesn't begin the day that we physically die, right? Eternal life instead begins the day that we give our life to Jesus in the baptistry, the day that we trust him as the Lord and Savior of our life, that we are saying, I am yours, and that's the moment our eternal life truly begins. You know, Carl had his own paradigm shift. When he realized that the adventure was, was what was so important to his wife, Ellie, and not the destination, and she reminded him that by writing in their little book, now go make some new adventures. Go live, not about the destination, about the journey. So what's all this mean for us? 
It truly means that greater adventures are ahead. And uh, Carl certainly realized that, along with Russell. That relationship became mutually beneficial to each of them, and there was something special that they shared with one another. But in a world that is going to throw difficulty at you, how do you get through it? How do you go through that? Well, for some of you, for the very first time, you need to trust that Jesus truly is over everything. That he's the one that brings about your confidence. That he's the one that truly gives, gives life. For many of you in this room, you've already made that step. You've already taken that, 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 that plunge in the baptistry. You've already given yourself over to the Lord. And maybe for you, you just need to be reminded. Reminded not to be about yourselves, but instead to be about others. To get your priorities straight. Jesus, others, and a journey. How do you do that? It starts with doing what you're doing right now. Meeting together, gathering as the church. That's a part of our routine. That's one of our spiritual rhythms. We need this in our life. We need the gathering of believers. Maybe you can say that you come here, but you don't really participate in this place, participate in the ministry of the church, I wanna encourage you, maybe for you the next step is checking out Discover Bethany. Ugh. You can put that on your card and drop it in the box on your way out or you can just stop by Connection Central and they'll help you get signed up for the next Discover Bethany. But as you do that, there is this, this shift that happens in your mind, this paradigm shift that allows you to begin to experience the greatest adventures of a lifetime. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That greater adventures truly are ahead. Look, there's nothing wrong with looking forward to a day where there is no more pain, and there is no more sorrow, and there is no more difficulty. I think sometimes we just need to be reminded in a world of ups and a world of downs that someday the eastern sky is going to split and Jesus is going to come riding back and he is going to come for his bride that is the church and if you have accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life you will spend an eternity with him but that life doesn't begin that day. The day you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life is the day your life truly begins in him. And there are going to be some great adventures along the way, church. I'm so thankful that we get to do this life together. You see, there's a lot to be learned from children, isn't there? A lot to be learned from a, a child's movie. I like how 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says it. Notice who are called children here. You, dear children, are from God. And you've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So church, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Yeah, there's gonna be some amazing ups. There's gonna be some low lows. But you can trust 
that Jesus is over everything. Let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for who you are, for how you love us. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for these words that were written to the church in Corinth and now come to us today and how a story full of life's craziness, uh, even a, a child's movie, can impact us in such a profound way. God, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that has never for the first time trusted you as the Lord of their life, as a savior of their life, that they'll take that step today. And I pray that each and every one of us from that moment on, from the moment we've accepted you, we would just simply live the life that you've called us to live. Yeah, we're anticipating the day where we spend it with you anew in your father's kingdom. But God, we're not gonna look past today. We're not gonna glance over the amazing victories or the difficult defeats. We're gonna use them to point others to who you are and to how you love. God, I pray that we would be a church that proclaims your name, that lifts you high so that all people would come to know you, to live free, to find purpose, and to be difference makers. And I say all this in Christ's name, amen.